Hello and good morning. Welcome to another podcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM and Spotify and the other platforms we carry Sunshine USA on. It is really great to have you tuned in. And I'm Warren Landis. I am your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And once again, we're going to try to get a broadcast out if we can. We tried yesterday, but we ran into all kinds of technical difficulties. I, I tell you, it's like I've said before, whenever you're trying to do something for God, you know, the devil's going to try to get in there and he's going to try to mess things up. <laughs> and he might do it again today. We don't know. But we'll give it the best shot we know how to give it. Well, today we're in First Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 8. Now, on the last uh, broadcast... We uh, talked about um, the qualifications for pastor. Now, this chapter gives me a great opportunity to talk a little bit about the overall way that a church should be set up in terms of how a church governs itself. Uh, Number one, I believe that every church uh, should be self-governing. You know, in other words, each local congregation needs to be able to govern itself. I believe that every local congregation should have one senior pastor. Now, that doesn't mean the senior pastor is the only ordained minister on the staff, but it does mean that one senior pastor has uh, overseeing authority. He has... Uh, the final say-so in pretty much all issues. Now, here in the southeastern United States, we've actually had multiple um, ministerial staffs for a long time. We've had uh, ministers of education. uh, We've had associate pastors. uh, We've had minister of evangelism, minister of discipleship and Minister of Youth, all kinds of different ministers have served on the staff of many large churches. But more than, more often than not, there's been a single senior pastor over the entire staff and over the entire congregation. And I believe that's the way it should be. Now, in addition to that, there should be, uh, and I'm going to use a term here Baptists don't like to use a lot, but I'm going to use it simply because I don't know of a better term to use, and that is uh, the board of deacons, or we could say the body of deacons. I believe the deacon is the biblical position that God uses to assist the pastor in governing the church. Now, unfortunately, down through the years, we have thought of the deacons as a board of directors or a board of trustees. And that's unfortunate because that's not primarily their responsibility. They have some responsibility in that area, but only a limited amount. Uh, The Bible says, first and foremost, they are ministers of the gospel. They are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are to minister to the needs of the people. And that is the biblical function of deacon. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Greek word for deacon is deaconos. And 
now we're going to get into a discussion about the qualifications for deacon. It says, likewise, uh, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let them also first be proved. Let them use the office of deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons also be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. For they that have used the office of deacon well to purchase themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now in these verses, um, verses 8 through 13, we find the biblical qualifications for being a deacon. Um, I believe it would be fair to say that the deacon is to be a man. I, I see no way for a woman to serve as a deacon. Notice it says here it must be the husband of one wife. So, th so therefore, I don't see how a woman could fulfill that responsibility. I don't think a woman could be the husband of one wife. So I, I take the position, quite literally, that it would be wrong for women to be ordained as deacons in the Baptist church, or any church for that matter. Um, the Bible says here that the deacon is not to be given to much wine. They're to be sober. Um, I, I don't think there's room, really, to be honest with you, for any Christian to partake of alcoholic beverages. I mean, if you were to look in the refrigerator of a Christian, you shouldn't find beer and wine and other things like that. Uh, I believe the Bible teaches uh, total abstinence from alcohol. And um, then the Bible says not greedy of filthy lucre. Now, it, it's not wrong for the preacher to receive a paycheck. I mean, we all need a paycheck. I mean... Preachers have bills to pay just like you have bills to pay. They have uh, housing they have to pay for. They have uh, utilities they have to pay for, a car they have to pay for. They need insurance. And so uh, preachers have financial and material needs just like you do. And so it's not wrong for them to receive a paycheck. Now, I do believe it's fair to say preachers should not seek to be millionaires. Um, I think if a pastor receives a salary of, you know, several hundred thousand a year, I think that's too high a salary, at least for this day and time. Um, I think ideally the preacher would make what the average church member makes. Um, you need to figure out what the medium income of the church is and that would be a good yardstick for determining what the pastor's salary should be. Uh, the pastor should be able to live on the salary that he has, uh, but he also needs to understand 
that being a pastor does require a certain degree of financial sacrifice. If he wants to be a millionaire, he's probably going to need to go outside the ministry to do that, you know. Um, and certainly any money that the preacher makes, or for, <clears throat> for that matter, any amount of money that any Christian makes, it needs to be clean, honest, legitimate money. That should be true for the preacher, it should be true for the deacons, and frankly, it should be true for every member of the church, whether they have a position of authority in the church or not. And then, um, the deacon needs to be a person of strong faith. There's also the indication here that the deacon must first be proved uh, you know, unfortunately, so many times, I've seen some churches where a person gets saved one week, and the next week here the church is ordaining them as a deacon. That should never be. That's never a good idea. They need to go through a time of testing, a time of proving. Uh, for one thing, when a Christian gets saved, there's going to be a time for them to learn the Word of God, to get the Word of God drilled into them so that they can do the will of God. And it's also good for the deacon, before they get elected as deacons, they should be uh, selected to serve as ushers, maybe parking lot attendants, greeters. Uh, they might serve as Sunday school teachers. They might work in the media ministry and do things within the church short of being a deacon. And then when the time comes and they continue to stay qualified for the office of deacon, then if the church feels led, they can set these people aside and ordain them as deacons. <clears throat> but that is what the Bible says. The Bible says the deacon must be found blameless. Now the word blameless here does not mean without sin. It does not mean sinless perfection. But it certainly means that whether we're talking about a deacon or pastor or, or once again any Christian in the church for that matter, we should strive to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can be. We need to live clean, <clears throat> godly lives. The Bible makes that very clear. Now, one thing that we find here for the office of deacon that we didn't have specifically mentioned for the pastors but I certainly believe it applies to pastors, is not only must the deacon be qualified, their wives have to be qualified as well. The wives should live up to the same criteria that their husbands do, who are deacons. Their behavior, their morality or lack thereof, is also a matter of consideration. It talks about the fact that deacons should rule well their own children and their own houses. I mean, after all, the Bible says here, if a man cannot take care of the needs of his family, if he cannot manage his household, how can he be expected to manage the church? Amen. And then in verses 14... 
through 16, it looks like here, we have the mystery of godliness. Here Paul says to Timothy, These things write I unto, ye, unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry, that thou mayest know that thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the Lord, which is the church of the living God, the pillar in the ground of truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. And so here, Paul talks about the mystery of godliness. Uh, we as Christians, and this is especially true for those of us who hold leadership positions in the church, we are to live godly lives. We should have lives that are filled with godliness. We should have a desire to be as much like God, as much like Jesus Christ as we possibly can be. Now the Bible's already indicated we're not always going to succeed in that. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But yet at the same time, we should have that desire to live for the Lord and to live for the Lord every single day, not just on Sunday. You know, I know some Christians, you know, they are one way on Sunday and Monday through Saturday. They live lives that are totally different from what they profess on Sunday. That should never be. Uh, you should be just as sincere a Christian Monday through Saturday as you are on Sunday. Amen? Amen. And that, of course, will bring us to the end of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I think that's as far as I'm going to try to go on this uh, particular podcast. Now that I'm doing these podcasts from a an assisted living facility, I have to do these podcasts sometimes at the last minute wherever I can get a few quiet moments where I can record without being interrupted. Uh, now those of you that have Bible study questions or you have prayer requests, I have two email addresses where you can contact me. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. Or if you want to snail mail me, <laughs> send me a letter the regular way. Uh, you can reach me at warrenlandis, 402 West Main Street, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. That's warrenlandis, 402 West Main Street, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Well, like I say, that brings us to the end of another Sunshine USA podcast. This is Warren Landis saying God bless you. Thank you for listening and don't fret none because I'll see you next time on the Sunshine USA.